Just lost half the squad, I think. <laughs> uh, the sermon this morning comes from uh, two texts. Uh, the first one is uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. If you'd like to turn to that with me, it's page number 1584 in the Pew Bible. Now hear the word of the Lord. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they, they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And the second reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 12 through 19, which is page 1789 in the Pew Bible. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he was raised, whom he did not raise if it is, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Thank you, Sean. Let's go to the Lord and ask him to bless our time in the word. Lord, we are thankful for revealing yourself to us through your word and through your son. We pray, Father, that by your spirit during our time this morning, that you would open our eyes to see, you would open our ears to hear, and give us feet to walk and do. For all these things in the name of our Savior Jesus, amen. Well, in my travels, I've had the opportunity to visit three national or uh, American military funeral uh, cemeteries. One of them located uh, right outside of Washington, D.C., Arlington National Cemetery. If you've never been there, I would encourage you, make it a priority. I've seen the one outside Cambridge, England, and the one located off the beaches of Normandy in France. These are exceedingly sobering places. 
There are great hosts of emotions that run through your heart and your head when you stand in the middle of a great field of crosses. Indeed, the one at Arlington, they go over the hills and you can't really see beyond them. There are 3,812 bodies buried at Cambridge, 9,387 at Normandy, and over 400,000 buried at Arlington. There are 27 to 30 additional burials every day and six or seven every weekend. Many of these bodies had come all around the world to be laid to rest. Their sacrifices might be honored. And their graves are most often marked with just but a simple cross. I want to ask you to think with me, what will happen to these graves? What will happen to these graves? I don't mean in the short term. Fundraisers were always helpful for local cemeteries and The military provides the funds for its national cemeteries. But what's going to happen long term? Long term. It's really an indeterminate length of time because we don't know when Jesus is going to come back again. But when he does, we believers know what's going to happen on this day. When Christ comes again, these tombs will be disturbed, not vandalized, not plundered for valuables. They will be opened and the dead will rise. There will be over 400,000 empty graves there at Arlington. All the graves here at Union will be, gone, will be emptied and every grave marked and unmarked will be emptied. Why? Because when the ladies went to the tomb on the first day of the week, the tomb was empty. And because that tomb was empty, our tombs will be as well. All four Gospels record the resurrection of Jesus, though each records it in a little bit different way, this history-altering, life-altering event. But in our text here in Mark chapter 16, we find three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and Salome. And they went and bought spices. Now, I've read this text a thousand times, and I always thought it said brought. But it doesn't. It says they went and bought spices. And that's important because this means that this text, verse 1, finds us not on Easter, but on Saturday. They went and bought spices after the Sabbath had ended Saturday night. About 6 p.m. or so, the bazaars would have reopened. And they went and bought spices in order to go first thing the next morning to be there at sunup to anoint the Lord's body once again. Now, All three of these women are recorded as being witnesses to the death of Jesus. And two, these two Marys, we're told, were even witnesses to the burial of Jesus. And so they knew knew the way. So at first light, Sunday morning, they gather the spices they have bought. And they gather their friends, other ladies. It wasn't just this three. Uh, Another gospel records uh, Joanna was with them. And it seems like a whole host of other women, but these seem to be most prominent, the leaders amongst these lady disciples. Now, they go not in faith. Let's be clear on that. They go not in faith because they don't believe what Jesus said. Jesus has told them over and over and over again, look, I'm going to die, and then on the third day, I'll rise again. They are going on the third day with spices to anoint a corpse. But while that is true, we should not overlook their exceptional love and loyalty, as one person has put it. Where are the 11 disciples? 
Where are they? They're nowhere to be found. And only two of them come when the ladies go and tell, hey, Jesus has been raised from the dead. So these ladies go out of love and loyalty with their spices and they go to the grave. And in verse 3 we find they begin to wonder, you know, when we get there, what are we going to do about that large stone? They put the stone there so that people couldn't get into the grave and and animals couldn't disturb the remains of those who are in there, like like Jesus in this tomb. So when they, they turn the corner, when they finally get to the grave, what do they see? They see the stone has been taken away. Other gospels tell us that two angels have come down. An earthquake has happened. The stone has been rolled away. The the, the Roman guard has been dealt with. We're not told any of that here. And they arrive, and and can you imagine their thought as they look, and they see the the, the grave is empty, or the, the tomb is open. They can't see in. It's too dark. Can you imagine what they're thinking? Are there other disciples here to do what we are doing? They get here before us. Did someone else die and they needed to use this tomb as well? Has someone stolen our Lord's body? They finally get to the, to the tomb and they walk in. And instead of seeing Jesus, whom do they see? They see an angel, a young man robed in white, our text tells us. We learn elsewhere that there are two angels here. He says, do not be afraid, do not be alarmed. You look for Jesus of Nazareth, He was crucified, but now he's alive. He really was dead. This hasn't been a bad dream. He really was dead, but do you know what? He really is alive. Now go and tell Peter and the disciples that you will see him in Galilee, which is fulfilling the promise of Mark chapter 14, verse 28. But do you see the reaction of the ladies? Three words are used to describe here their reaction. Astonishment, trembling, and afraid. They had not expected to find an angel here. But then they looked over to where Jesus had been laying. Even where two of these women, the two Marys, had seen his body laying just a couple of three days before. Two days by our reckoning. And there his grave clothes folded nicely. There is nobody there. And so they run out, afraid and astonished. The grave was empty. The resurrection is not a figment of the imagination of the disciples. It wasn't a story invented to explain away the stolen body of Jesus. It's not a good story, just a nice, pleasant story that we tell ourselves because our Savior is dead. The disciples didn't collectively hallucinate. Jesus really was dead. He was killed by the world's best executioners. His brain waves stopped. His heart stopped pumping. And then on Easter morning, up from the grave, he arose. And our Savior was and he is alive. But let me ask you another question. What would have happened if the ladies had shown up and the grave had not been empty. What if Jesus had been there? What would that mean for us? Is this just one element, a disposable element of our faith? No. Instead, it is the very gem of the gospel. By the resurrection, we know that we have salvation. 
Paul unpacks this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the second text that Sean read for us this morning. He's going to unpack the importance of the resurrection. See, the Corinthians seem to have forgotten both the importance and some of the details, some of the facts about the resurrection. They'd written a letter to Paul raising a lot of questions. And so Paul flabbergasted. He writes them back reminding them of the gospel in which they, have, they believed, in which they stand, and by which they are being saved, we learn early in 1 Corinthians 15. And at the very gem, the very center of the gospel is the resurrection. And because the resurrection is true, we know several things. And one of them is that our sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. What we've heard is true. We find that our faith is not in vain. Verses 14 and 17 tell us this. That if the resurrection is not true, if the dead are not raised, if Christ is not raised, then we have believed in vain and your faith is futile. This word that is used for vain is a word that is, describes emptiness. It doesn't describe an empty box. It describes the emptiness within the box. It describes the void of the box. And so if the resurrection is not true, then our faith is void. It is in vain. It is empty. Because our faith is only as good as the one in whom we put our faith. And our Savior is alive. And because he's alive, it means that our salvation is real. That our faith is true. Every Christmas downstairs, we um, have these really pretty gifts that we put this year around the, the old Christmas tree, which has made its way down to the fellowship hall. And they're really nice. It's really nice, different color of um, uh, gift wrapping with nice bows and even tags this year. We did tags this year. But do you know what? Those gifts may, you may walk in the fellowship hall and it may give you a warm and fuzzy. It might remind you of your childhood. It might remind you you have to buy some more gifts. But do you know if you open those boxes, do you know what you will find? Nothing. They're absolutely empty. They're for looks only. My friends, if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, so would our faith be. It would be empty. It'd be futile. My friends, I'm here to tell you, our Savior is alive. And because of that, we we have saving faith in, perhaps we have saving faith, I hope you have saving faith in a living Savior not a dead one. A gospel that is based upon a filled tomb is empty, but a gospel based upon an empty tomb is full of salvation. We also learn that what we've heard is true. In verse 15, we find that, that, um, that because of the resurrection, we can believe what God tells us. Jesus had been telling his people all along, now they weren't listening, all along that I'm going to be killed and on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. And this was the very center of Paul's preaching. And if the resurrection had not been true, then we learn in 15, then we would have been found to be misrepresenting God. Paul and the other apostles not only based their entire ministry, but their very salvation upon the empty tomb. All throughout Scripture, we have belief in the resurrection. Job is perhaps the oldest book ever written. Job 19. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last day he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God And I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. 
my Redeemer lives and at the last day he will stand upon the earth. You know, um, this is tax season. Just a helpful reminder for you. And if you'll remind me next year that a minister should not do his taxes the week of Easter. Uh, It's a very poor decision. In fact, my tax accountant uh, spoke to him so much, he said that um, I ought to punt my Easter sermon and instead preach on render unto Caesar. I told him you might be helping me find employment if I did that. But you know, W-2s and 1099s, these are all proof of what you claim. I claim that if you believe in Christ, your sins are forgiven. What's my proof? The empty tomb. The tomb is empty. Therefore, I can say to you that if you believe in Christ, your sins are forgiven. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Why would this matter? Why would the resurrection matter for my sins? Well, my friends, a dead Savior can't save you. A dead Savior cannot save you. That was one of many of the problems of the Old Testament sacrificial system or inadequacies. Problem might not be a best word inadequacies is that once the animal was slain for you it remained dead but our savior the lamb of the world the lamb who came to take the sins of the world the perfect sacrificial lamb he came and he was slain and our sin was placed on our savior just as in the old testament system you'd place your hand upon the animal and and symbolically transferring your sin to the animal and then it would be slain So our Savior had our sins laid upon him. Remember the call to worship? He laid on him the iniquities of us all. And also says he crushed him. The Father crushed the Son. But if he had not been raised from the dead, then we would still be in our sin, for we need the righteousness of God to stand before our Savior. We need the righteousness of our Savior in order to stand before our God and that can never be transferred to us, that can be imputed to us. We can never receive that if our Savior was dead. Only a living Savior can justify or make us righteous. Anybody can die for anyone. We saw that this week with the attacks in Brussels. You can die for any reason. But our Savior in declaring that he was dying for us, his sacrifice was proven to be effective by the empty tomb on Sunday. My friends, praise the Lord that it was empty. It means we have the hope of heaven. Verses 18 through 19. And those who have fallen, if the resurrection is not true, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, then he could not have gone on to repair a place for us in the Father's house. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, he could not have ascended into heaven and therefore taking his sacrifice to the true temple. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, the way, the truth, and the life would have been the dead end, the lie, and the death. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, then Christ could not be with us every step of the way. Instead, we have a living Savior. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, The Father would not have sent his promised holy comforter. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, then we would be powerless to say no to sin. We would have to face the judgment of God naked. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, then we are of all people the most to be pitied. But my friends, the grave was empty. And our Savior did rise from the dead. And therefore we have hope. And this brings us back full circle to the graves. 
What's gonna happen to those graves is because of what, have, what happened to our Savior. 1 Corinthians six fourteen, I feel like puts it the most clearly anywhere of Scripture. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. And God raised the Lord and will also raise up by us by his power. See, Christ's resurrection was the first fruits, the first amongst many. He paved the way for sure, but it was only the first bit of what will come. See, God cares about not only our souls, but our bodies. And the last day, the resurrection will come. It's called the general resurrection, the, the resurrection of the just and the unjust, as we learn from Acts chapter 24, verse 15. The resurrection is sure to happen. The question is, what is the destination? For it is only those who have trusted in Christ and had their sins forgiven, whose faith is not futile, who is not in vain. It is those who will receive remade new bodies and will spend eternity with him in heaven, in the new heavens, in the new earth. For when he comes again, not only will he remake all our bodies, and not only will they come up from the grave, and they will join our souls in the skies, but he will remake all this world and all the graveyards we plowed over and purified by fire and death will be no more. For our Savior holds the keys to death and Hades. That is if you know Jesus. While those who do not will spend an eternity in hell away from him, they too will receive their bodies, but scripture doesn't say much about those bodies. They are not remade and they are eternally punished. So the question today, Easter, the pertinent question, the most important question, do you know the risen Savior? Do you know the risen Savior? For he came to deal with my sin, and he came to deal with your sin. He dealt with our sins in the past so that our past might be dealt with. My friends, the grave was not empty. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the grave was empty. We thank you that the the grave was empty. And that because of that, we have salvation in our Savior. That whoever comes to our Savior seeking salvation will receive it. So Father, we pray that those who do not know you might know you even today. We pray, come Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Amen.